I'm Jakub Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about next-era computing. We're chatting about artificial intelligence, data center acceleration technology, and edge computing. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clear idea of what the role of next-era computing can play in your business. I'm joined by Claudia Pola from NVIDIA. Claudia, welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me up. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you want to start? Well, how did you get to where you are? How far back should you go? <laughs> So I've been in IT for 25 years, um, started off, actually had my own business many years back, sort of uh, putting together 386s, uh, 486 computers. Wow, wow, okay. Uh, 40 gig hard drives <laughs> the day, you know, back in the day. Um, and then moved into sort of the SMP market with, uh, you know, the big sort of SMP boxes and the Solara side. Um, brief stint in storage. Worked for a startup for storage as well as the Middle East Africa. Okay. And then got into the networking space um, with uh, Mellanox. And through the recent acquisition, NVIDIA acquired us in April 2020 and now part of NVIDIA. Okay, excellent. Yeah, well, I think that's a nice, concise, uh, not so brief, 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 not so brief history. Um, so let's get into it. Um, I. I Love the term next era computing. Uh, it, it actually struck such a chord with me. Um, so let's start with um, artificial intelligence. It's, a, uh, it's such a widely described term. Um, and almost my perception is, is that in the world of business, we haven't really worked out what role AI is going to play. I think we, we uh, like people almost have a perception AI plays a role in, I don't know, making movies and doing hectic government stuff or whatever. But let's talk about um, AI. What, what's happening in the world of AI? And that's, and that's, and that's pretty much correct. Um, so let's, let's sort of rewind a little bit and just sort of have a look at the perceptions of AI. Um, you know, the perceptions of AI are that they, you know, it's the big brother syndrome, um, it's robotics. And this is, it's really not the case. Um, if you look at what the benefits of AI are, um, especially for organizations today, and we're starting to see quite a lot of global organizations embrace AI for different various reasons. So it's useful for companies to look at AI through the lens of their business capabilities um, rather than the actual technologies themselves. Okay. So broadly speaking, if we look at what AI supports for organizations today, it's about automating business processes. Um, it's gaining insight through their data analytics as well as engaging with their customers and employees. So, you know, it's today we're in the era of AI already. So fundamentally, uh, it's a new phase of computing power and access uh, that has allowed us to reach new levels of intelligence uh, on all sorts of devices, right? So this changes. This change has been building since the advent of the personal computer. Okay. You know, sort of moving back many years. Yeah. The PC era where we saw computers in every home. With the introduction of mobile devices, we've started to see the same computing power available to almost every user in their pockets. Um, so by moving much of the computing power from the device to the cloud, these devices have now become supercomputers. So okay. AI is, you know, very much about automating processes and accelerating processes for businesses. Um, and I think COVID has actually awakened a lot of organizations to look at 
ways to automate and ways to innovate and remain relevant. So can you give us a a real-life example of how AI is used in, in business for something like what you're speaking about now? So to give you an example in the finance space, uh, fraud prevention, fraud detection. Um, so American Express is actually using the fraud prevention and detection uh, capabilities across their credit cards. Uh, you've also got environments where you've got accelerated scientific discoveries in healthcare. Okay. Can, okay. can we go back to that American Express example? So hmm. you'd have some form of AI deployment and that uh, – Intelligence will sit there and and sift through the data and try and learn new behaviors and then say, okay, right, I understand when I see something like this, uh, this is fraud type behavior and then flag it. Is, is Absolutely. So that's it's about behavioral patterns. Okay. And it's 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 about it's about there again insights into the data analytics, understanding the behavioral patterns and then flagging them. Okay. So it's you know that's one of the examples. I mean the other big one and the, and the sort of the big flavor of the day today is sort of autonomous vehicles. Ah. So you start looking at the intelligence of autonomous vehicles now. I mean AI we've had for a while. If you look at some of your smartphone devices through facial recognition, that's yes. AI. Okay. Um, okay. AI has now come down into you know autonomous vehicles, but even more so in the AI experience in the cockpit, we actually get into the car and the car identifies you now. Okay, and creates ex- an experience around you um, just based on facial recognition. That's amazing. And I assume that must be vast amounts of uh, data that it's processing in order to learn. And Huge amounts. Okay. Um, so, and then that almost then leads into the next thing now. So, uh, something that's uh, subjectively quite close to my heart is the, the world of the data center. Um, so, so what, what's happening? And I've got a number of questions to, to ask around that. Um, but f- let's just start with what are you seeing what's happening in the, in the data center world? So the data center effectively is evolving. Um, if there again, if you start looking at the history of it. So, I mean, it used to be an application that would run on a single CPU or server. Um, and the speed and scale of the application was bound by that server. So the server in that instance was the unit of computing. What we're starting to see is the data center is the new unit of computing. So it's about building the infrastructure around the data center now. Um, today's applications have moved beyond the bonds of a single server. Uh, applications are now virtualized with microservices. Uh, and these are spread across the data center to leverage optimized hardware accelerated platforms. So like GPUs for parallel workloads, DPUs for accelerated data movement, like compression and encryption, and CPUs for handling the general purpose compute. Um, and let's not forget the network, it kind of ties all of that together um, to create the sort of information superhighway, if you will. So, so that's, uh, uh, you know, you know, I think for, for people that's been in the game for long or even, even as a, as a non-technical person in a business, I think the concept of, uh, that you started with of the computer being that compute unit, I think that's easy. And, and that's probably the default setting that everybody still has is when, even when, when people think about a virtual server, they're thinking about their own little unit that's now sitting somewhere in the cloud. And you know now talking about GPUs and what DPUs. Uh, you must tell us a bit more about that. So, from a GPU perspective, and this is you know the invention of the GPU in '99. So, if you go there again, back in history to understand, you know, understand the future is by kind of understanding the the past. Um, so, the invention of the GPU in '99 sparked uh, the growth of the PC gaming market. 
okay. which effectively redefined modern computing graphics um, and revolutionized parallel computing. Okay. So uh, let's start. What does GPU stand for? So initially, the graphic processing unit. Okay. Um, and it is now, and that's sort of, you know, back in the histories of PC gaming, it rendered a huge amount of graphics to enable gamers to have the gaming experience. Okay. Since then, the GPU has actually evolved into what we call a general purpose GPU. Okay. Um, and with the adoption and the conformity of a lot of applications, we're starting to see the GPU become mainstream within the data center now. So the GPU is all about accelerating workloads, and it's about accelerated compute. Okay. And that's what allows, you know, if, if, you, if you look at what a lot of people see as being futuristic, yeah. Okay. This is the reality for us today. Okay. So at NVIDIA, we, we see this as reality today. Um, and it's about the compute to be able to compute the data, okay, to bring those dreams to reality. And and that's almost what uh, um, why I said I've got so many questions. Uh, because, like, for example, yesterday I was on a call with a customer and they, they – Technology evolution plan is taking the two servers that they have at the, at the office and two servers that they have at a data center sitting somewhere, and taking that into one of the hyperscalers. And it's it, uh, uh, while we're sitting and having the conversation, I'm I'm almost sitting there and going, but um, you, even your new plan is is two or three or five years behind. You you surely have to look further. So do you think? Uh, 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 businesses are looking forward enough when they when they make these plans and, and map out these strategies. So I think businesses they are. Um, you know I think you've got an air of business out there that is trying to remain innovative, and it's it's really a, a fact of trying to remain the leader in your field of expertise. You know, whether it be in finance or whether it be manufacturing, you need to you need to remain ahead of your competition, and. These different embracing these different technologies is what's going to keep you ahead, um, and that's what's going to differentiate you at the end of the day. It's um, about the services, really. And and do do you think that? Um, let me ask a different question. Um, how how fast are these technologies moving? You're talking about the future, which is here for you guys. Um, how long uh, if, how long will it take for your future to be reality for for let's say mainstream business in South Africa? If I just look at the 25 years that I've been in IT and how much has changed, um, you know, moving, like I said, from a uh, installing 20 gig hard drives <laughs> that were literally the size of a toaster. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at SSDs today in the terabytes. So okay. it's, it's technology is evolving incredibly quickly. Um, and I think it's really up to business to remain at the same pace and realizing what the power of technology can do for the business. How it can accelerate their business and take them into the next frontier. Yeah, I think I think for me that's almost like the key thing is is understanding how technology uh, technology can can accelerate the business instead of instead of just looking at it as a cost center and trying to do this as cheaply as possible. Um, so. Um, I want to go back to the to the GPUs in a in a real life example. Um, how would I deploy a GPU to or GPU uh, architecture to make to make my my business better? So initially, what we've seen is, you know, essentially you've got a huge amount of data that's been generated at the edge. Okay, this data is all sort of coming into the data center. Um, data is the new gold currency. 
Okay. Yeah. And what people need to do is they need to extrapolate this data into something useful. And GPUs essentially are going to give the acceleration um, to be able to make sense of that data and make it of use to the organization. So previously, if you look at, um, you know, a couple of examples, weather simulations. I mean, doing weather simulations in the past was pretty difficult. Mm. Nowadays, with the insights into the data analytics and the acceleration of GPUs, we can actually start predicting a lot clearer what the weather patterns are going to be. Um, you know, that's just one example. You look at other examples in healthcare where organizations, you know, major healthcare providers now are starting to make sense of scientific discoveries through GPU acceleration. You know, the COVID vaccine, for instance, modeling and simulation through GPU acceleration. So all of these, you know, GPUs fundamentally have been the backbone of HPC and supercompute. Um, and that is starting to move more into the mainstream of organizations now. Starting to see the benefits of GPU technology and accelerated computing, but more importantly, also application adoption um, mm. is also, you know, th- that net is starting to widen now as well. So, so from a technology strategy perspective, does that then mean that a lot of people are, are uh, would you say does that GPU or data center acceleration would customers want expect to consume that as a service, or would you say that that um, uh, companies that's looking at stuff like that are almost going back to to building uh, customized uh, environments that suits their their future requirements? So you've got one of uh, it's you know you've got one of each here. Um, the first one is cloud computing is, you know, there's a lot of benefits to cloud computing. Um, the correct, you know, most people are seeing the correct approach as being hybrid. Okay. So having a lot of your applications up in the cloud, harnessing GPU technology. Um, so, so when you say that, would, would that customer then expect for, the, for wherever they're consuming that, that cloud service or that data center service, would they expect that to be part of the data center offering? Or would they procure their own technology to, to customize for whatever they need? So they would supplement certain workloads on-prem. Okay. Um, harnessing GPU technology as well. Okay. So there are certain functions which, you know, because they're so robust in the AI lifecycle, um, that cannot be run in the cloud. Okay. So those would need to be on-prem. Okay. Um, but for the remainder, like I said, it's about having the hybrid approach. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the scorecard of all in the cloud, all on-prem or hybrid, you know, hybrid has a lot more pros and very little cons. Okay. So it gives you the best of both worlds. But being able to harness GPUs in the cloud and on-prem um, you know, is the best solution for you. Okay, so so GPUs in the cloud, that uh, is that available in a, at, a, at a hyperscale level? Absolutely. Okay, and then when we talk about on-prem, then we're obviously talking about uh, either on-prem or in a in a private data center where, yeah, correct. Okay, okay that's interesting. So, um, and I, I think for me, as the more of these conversations that I have, it comes back to that fact that uh, I think this hybrid world, there's no golden silver bullet that just fixes everybody's problems. Uh, I think that hybrid type approach uh, seems to be the one that's that's sort of settling as the the logical choice. It is, and specifically around AI. Um, if you look at AI today, fifty percent of AI projects fail. Wow! 
Um, so it, it, it is a big number. Um, and the reason why they scale is risk, performance, and scale. So having the correct end-to-end full-stack solution is what makes AI work. And it's not, it's not ultimately all about the GPU. The GPU is a component of the product. Okay. But it is about the software stack as well, the pre-trained models. And these are all of the, the aspects that accelerate the AI journey. Okay. So I assume if you don't have the right components, then, like you say, it'll fail. If you can't process enough or quickly enough or… Well, processing the data is one portion of it. So if you look at, for instance, you want to build a model for weather simulation. Um, so instead of reinventing the wheel, okay, basically going out and recreating a model yourself, I mean, we have an NGC cloud, which actually basically has these pre-trained models in it already. Ah, okay. So you can actually take that model and then build off of that. And what that does is that accelerates the actual product. Okay. Okay. I hear what you're saying. And then… Obviously, with all of this um, data being moved up and down, I assume the the more data you're processing, the, the more speed you're required. So, in the networking world, the networking world has to keep up with with all of this stuff that we we're talking about. What how has that evolved from a, at a networking layer? So, networking has evolved quite a lot. <laughs> you know, from the from the days of one gig and ten gig. Um, you know, we currently sitting at four hundred gig. Um, you know, we manufacture the NICs, we manufacture the switches, the silicon, um, and we're starting to see a huge amount of um, uptake on the on, on the higher speeds um, across the backbones. So, with this influx of data, and is that on-prem and and uh, uh, data center, or it's both? Both. Okay. It's, it's generally across the board. I mean, it's you see in this explosion in edge computing. I mean, every time a new smartphone comes out, it comes out with more functionality, more features, greater processing power. And what we're basically doing is we're relinquishing a lot of that power to the edge. So we're giving these portable smart devices um, a huge amount of compute power, right? They're generating huge amounts of data, and this data inevitably is coming into the into the data center to be crunched. Um, and you need a high-speed interconnect, to be able to get that data across. Yes, okay. So this is where we started to see the demand on the network inside. Okay, so and that's just going, you say it's at 400 gig now. So we're currently sitting at 400 gigs. It's um, amazing. And it's, it's you know, it, it's about high throughput and it's also about ultra low latency. So, you know, Ethernet synonymously has been dubbed, you know, sort of dragged down with the packet loss scenario. Um, there's ways around that now. Um, and there's more intelligence being built into the silicon. And then, if you, uh, it's, I don't know if, if it's fair to ask this question. If you, if you, uh, what's the upgrade part? If I'm on a, uh, let's say, a 10 gig or a 40 gig uh, architecture, what's the upgrade part to get to 400? Is it, is it, do I, am I going to forklift and replace, or how would I put a strategy in place to carry me the next five years, as an example? So there is, I mean, the upgrade parts are pretty simple and, you know, they're, they're pretty easy. Okay. I mean, I think you've really, you're really sitting with two standards on the network inside. You're sitting with sort of the 1040 and okay. then you're sitting with the 2500. Um, the 2500 gives you explosion right up to 400. Okay. Okay. So that path just continues going. Um, we starting to, you know, we've seen quite a demand 
at the hyperscale level for 25 plus. Okay. Um, and the prices of 25 have dropped tremendously. So it's no longer a big sort of price hurdle or big barrier to entry to get into 25. So it's better to start like that and then you've got longevity. You pretty much future proof the environment uh, moving forward. Okay. It's, it's the way to go today. Okay, so now um, on to the next uh, big buzzword, and it's also quite interesting uh, how often this term now comes up. Let's talk oh. edge computing. So, so let's just start with your take on what is. How would you explain what edge computing is to somebody? So, edge computing is really anything that you would see as being portable. Okay, smartphones, smart devices, wearables. So the watches that we wear today, they've got a processor in it. They're generating data. These are what we consider edge devices. The, as I mentioned, the, the actual compute power that edge devices are actually being given today is driving the volume of data. Uh, you look at autonomous vehicles. Mm. You know, So these are self-driving vehicles, um, and they're constantly learning about their environment as they're driving, generating huge volumes of data. Um, 90, you know, true fact, 90% of data was created in the last two years. Wow. So there's, you know, <laughs> just to give you, just to, just to sort of put a bit of size to it. Can you just imagine what will happen in the next two years? It's crazy. Exactly. I mean, a single, a single transatlantic flight generates 640 terabytes of data. Facebook is generating sort of 100 terabytes a day to daily, in excess of 100 terabytes a day to daily. It's nuts. Um, so this is, you know, this is all being driven by edge computing. So, so in my mind, uh, if we bring this now back into the into the business world, um, in my mind, I almost think of edge computing as um, I want something closer to me, so that I can process faster, create a better application experience, or, or something like that for my business users, and then and then link that somehow into the into the data center or hybrid cloud environment. Would would, would that be correct? So you, so, so for us, I mean, edge computing is creating a huge amount of data, and as I said previously, what you sit in with is a situation where companies have got this data now and they need to make sense of it okay okay so this data actually has a huge amount of value to the organization and it's what they do with it that gives them the competitive edge or the innovation within the organization and do you think do you think that's only for certain businesses or do you think everybody has to have some form of a each computing strategy I think every business needs to look at it I mean there's you know there's there's definitely benefits mm. um but I think each it needs to be tailored to each individual business. Yeah. So yeah, and I think that to me was almost just the, the question is, um, I think a lot of times, you know, like um, off topic now, but in the in the uh, ransomware world, for example, you got you have business that says, oh, I'm too small, nobody's going to come and try and do that with me, and we've got to say, no, no, no. Uh, if you're running a business and you have business critical data, you are you will be a target, and you need to be aware of it. And I think almost like uh, again, like I said, you, you know, the the edge computing uh, that's not a, a, a large multinational corporate only type world uh, I can run a business in South Africa and and there can be a future play for me that can that can give my business a competitive edge absolutely and it's you know what we've seen is edge computing is growing exponentially year over year as devices become you know more more smart if you will mm. um, and there's all these new devices being added onto it I mean you just look at homes that are being built today. You know, previously it was, you know, you sort of switch on a light at the light plug. 
you know, the light switch. You go up, you switch on the lights. Nowadays, everything can be controlled through your smartphone. Yeah. You know, this there again, this is edge data, right? So you take in a lot of the manual function away and you're automating it and creating data in the same respect. I was chatting to a guy a couple of weeks ago. He said, I think on his home Wi-Fi network, he's got something like 150 devices or something like that in a family of four. And I'm like, what is that? But it's IoT devices and smart lights and all of those kind of things. Yeah, you pretty much you can control everything now. With full, you know, with full home automation, you're controlling everything. Stoves, ovens, irrigation, security, doors, lights. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, so so I always try and make stuff a little bit real when when we're getting to to the end of the show. So let me put you on the spot in in South Africa or Africa. Um, uh, what's what's happening in in this domain of all of these things that we've we've spoken about? So on the AI side, we've got. I mean, we do have companies locally that are using our edge devices. Um, across industries like agriculture. So we've actually got somebody that's doing something around agriculture. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, mining. And then we've also got something in the uh, non-profit anti-poaching environments. What we're starting to see further north in Africa is governments starting to embrace AI for their own internal security of the, you know, of the country. Smart city deployments um, through facial recognition. Oh. Okay, so I don't want to call it the tracking of populace, you know, so it's not tracking the population per se, um, but it is about knowing from a safety perspective yes. um, where people are. And if you need to identify people, you can identify them pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so we're starting to see a lot of these technologies starting to emerge. Um, but, I mean, for us, I think the big sectors are going to be telco, um, finance, and this is going to be around conversational AI, natural language processing, fraud detection and prevention. You know, all of the I, – I, I'd kind of call it the stock standard AI deployments. Okay. And, I mean, South Africa has always been quite far advanced from a fintech-type perspective or whatever. So I assume in the next couple of months we, we should see people doing a lot of stuff around that. People have started projects already. Okay. Um, it's now just sort of advancing these projects onto a larger scale. So, you know, South Africa can definitely, you know, for me it's about, I suggest that the country and the businesses need to adopt AI um, because this will then give them the innovation and the competitive edge that they need because uh, the world is going to move on. I mean, we we starting to see some pretty interesting and fascinating um, AR projects being rolled out globally. So if if we're a, if there's a business that's listening to this um, and they go, your AI sounds sounds. Where would one start with something like that? Is it at hardware level? Is it a software level? Uh, where would I start? It's really at a discussion level, trying to understand what you want to achieve. Okay. So it's sort of mapping out the process. You know, this is sort of my start point. This is my end point, and then we sort of build it up in the middle. Um, but it's people don't have to do a big bang approach. Okay. Um, they can start small, and they can sort of grow um, as they start seeing the benefits. This is super interesting to me. I think maybe, and this is a bit off the cuff, but I think maybe what we should do um, as a follow-up uh, um, in the next couple of weeks is maybe try and invite people that, that want to start on the journey and just have a general AI business type discussion to hear what ideas people have and, and what they're battling with to, to get off the ground. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it has huge benefits. 
It's it's about accelerating an innovation, and that's what they need to embrace. Okay, I think I think we're definitely going to have further discussions about that. Claudio, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions in your business. Remember, you can listen to all of the podcasts on the Cliff Central app or website, and for added convenience, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you're looking for help with your communication tools in your business, uh, please make sure to visit catalytic.co.za. Cliffcentral.com.